an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister, and we've got Kevin Wilson with us. Hello. Hey Kevin, how's it going? Oh, good, good. You know, just just hanging out on the phone today, just making the technology work the way we can. Yeah, yeah, we got the show must go on. Yes. Uh, but, but speaking of the show, I do want to thank all of our listeners um, for joining us on the show, on the radio waves, on the podcasts, on the various live streams. And I do want to say, if you enjoy listening to Radio Free New York, um, however you listen to it, I would ask that you guys do a couple things to help support the show. Um, one thing you can do is jump over on Facebook, search Andrew C. Hollister, hit a like on that page. Search Radio Free New York, hit a like on that page, and then also head over to YouTube, search Andrew C. Hollister, and subscribe to that page. The more YouTube subscribers we get, the more YouTube pushes our content out there on their platform. Same thing with Facebook. And if you think more people should be hearing the things that we're talking about um, and having these type of conversations, that support helps. Uh, the other thing that would definitely help us is if you guys jump over on Patreon. So that's patreon.com slash RFNY um, and consider making a small monthly contribution towards the content. Um, that way that helps us uh, continue staying on the airwaves. And Andrew, one more thing, of course. If if anyone listening here is like, you know what, I want to make sure that my business is supporting Radio Free New York, you can always call us and advertise as well. That's that's definitely helpful, too. And uh, you know, share your support for Radio Free New York, and make sure that you're connecting with those listeners too. On our yeah, station. absolutely. So. We we have uh, quite a broad base of listeners, both on the radio and online. And if you want to reach those people while supporting what I think is a pretty good radio show, um, definitely reach out to us. We'd love to um, have your support and help you connect uh, to our other listeners as well. So right. speaking speaking of this this awesome and great content, you know, I, I'll give I'll give you actually a chance uh, before we break into the topics today. Um, yesterday we talked about the um, Joe Morelli um, incident that's going on. I know a little bit more information popped up today. Kevin, do you have anything you want to contribute to the conversation about that specific topic? It's okay if you don't, but I figure I'd give you the chance. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, like listeners might know I'm not totally neutral on this because I, I'm running for office. You know, it's it's really interesting, I think, 
part of this and is going to end up coming off as like an intra-party fight. I think Lovely Warren kind of went for the jugular and is trying to, to, to take out Joe Morelli. But I think there's there's a there might be something to this, and I'm interested to see what the um, was it the the House uh, Ethics uh, Committee. I don't know if I'm getting the right name for it, but I, I want to see uh, the Office of Congressional Ethics is what it's called. I want to see what they say about this because it it does look like Joe Morelli did reach out and he said like, hey, is this is this type of thing okay? He reached out to someone's boss. It's maybe not the nicest thing to do. He didn't really need to butt in personally on this, uh, you know, because someone went on his opponent's like Facebook page and talked about their work. Um, you know, I don't know if anything rises to the level of violating the the ethics, but I'm curious to see what that office says, and you know, I I think that Lovely Warren's uh, take on this might have been a little bit over the top for for a lot of people, and that's that's with my ear to the ground. That's what I'm seeing a bit of is is that is that people are like, oh, well, she's she's not neutral in this. She's trying to 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 gain power for the old Gantt machine. Yeah, yeah, but, and I think that that's how people who are in the know and understand those yeah. factions in the Democratic Party. I, I think that's definitely... Um, well, yeah, like the political insider thing is like, they're, they're looking at it totally differently. And that's, you know, and I, I'm so... I spend way too much time studying politics in Monroe County that, like, that's that's kind of how I see it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, too, it's like, did, did Joe Morelli do the right thing? Did he, did he threaten someone's job? Did he imply that, like funding could be in jeopardy over this. I saw the text messages that came out, you know, it kind of seems like he's like, hey, just pointing it out here. And whenever a, a person in power makes those types of calls, there, there's always, there, there's often more to it, right? Yeah. Um, it's not just a concerned citizen when your congressman who controls your funding is giving you a call about this type of thing. Yeah, and I, I think that when he, because it, it looks like Joe Morelli himself released the text messages i i think mm -hmm. that he he probably released them thinking well these seem pretty harmless to the average joe so we'll put these out here and people go oh see no he he just wanted to know what the policy was but you're totally mm -hmm. right because if you look at it even even from like a work relationship um you know say you're somebody's supervisor and the owner of the company who controls your department's funding shoots you a text and just says hey just thought you should know about this and it's like you know a facebook post or something like that of one of your employees um you yeah. feel the pressure as that supervisor that oh i need to look into this like i need to see what's going on even if it wasn't spoken it's kind of implied yeah so and and i think you you really hit it yesterday i mean we and we've talked about this other times before too like how much how much power government officials have in these situations um, it, it's a lot. So even just like, you know, the slight word or implication can, can have a lot of repercussions. And I think like the bigger issue isn't, isn't even just what Joe Morelli did. It's, you know, how do we make sure that like organizations aren't so dependent on the federal government that like a bad mood from a, or, or a concern from an elected official isn't enough to like jeopardize, uh, funding for an organization that could be really critical. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in your opinion, Kevin, I mean, how, how do we fix this? How do we get government, um, I don't want to say watered down or weakened to the point, but how do, how do we get government to the point where people shouldn't be in fear of how their government officials may feel about an independent situation? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think this this is something that applies to both like private companies, to to local governments, uh, universities, state governments too. It's just that the federal government is able to control a lot of stuff and a lot of behavior through money, right? And so, like local governments feel compelled to to do this whenever they get a grant. Like, well, if we don't comply with these terms of this grant, you know, then you know we're going to lose this money and we need this money. The education system is especially bad in this way because they say, well, if we don't comply with what Common Core tells us, even though we know it's not the best thing for our students in this particular situation, then we lose all of this other funding and we've become so dependent on that that we can now no longer, you know, operate successfully in any capacity. So it's going to take a very long time to kind of untangle some of those threads to say like, okay, like some some money may just need to have less strings attached and I and I'm not super comfortable with that. And sometimes we just need to find greater financial independence among these systems because you get more resiliency when you have financially independent local governments, state governments, education systems and universities. And, you know, it, becoming too dependent on a single entity like the federal government, which, you know, when you have – especially when you have like an executive branch or, or bureaucratic agencies that can change things on a whim, it becomes really dangerous to make them mad. So building that financial independence across all of these systems is incredibly important, and it's going to take some good budgeting, uh, some bravery, and, you know, uh, pulling back the state in all these areas. Yeah, yeah. And I think a great example for that is, um, you know, for both parents and children to to look at. And when I say children, I, I don't mean like young people who are living at home. I mean, independent children who are now out in the world living as independent adults when, uh, you know, maybe the parent still pays for your cell phone bill or your car insurance is still on your parents' plan. Um and then they have that. They can dangle it over here. Well, you know what? Maybe you need to pay for your bills. You know, maybe you need to do this and that. And vice versa, the parent, they they feel that power and that leverage that they have um, over their children where they can say, yeah, you know what? They're they're making me angry. They're pissing me off. You know what? Let's, uh, yeah. We Why are we paying for their bills? Why are we covering their cell phone bill? Why are we covering their car insurance? Or, you know, insert thing here, whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah um, something, something to hold over your head. Yeah, ab absolutely. And that, that is exactly what's happening with government. And everybody should be asking themselves, do we want to be in that situation where government is pulling the strings and dangling these financial means above private entities' heads um, and have the ability to yank that funding if they're not complying with um, somebody's specific, uh, could even be personal concerns for their personal gain and i i think the answer is no we need to get rid of that it's a terrible terrible thing and it's got to go away yeah no and i, I so i think that i have this joe morelli situation that that's the bigger lesson to learn it's it's not necessarily like the politics of the situation that like a, a political types like the to, to lean into and look into it's how do we make sure that we have independence in these situations yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about alien DNA and having sex with witches. Yes, this is what we're talking about, and it's not even Fake News Friday. Guys, we'll talk about that when we come back on Radio Free New York.
Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovations should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. You're listening to Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. We've got Kevin Wilson here with us. And I know if you're listening today, you're probably thinking, wait, isn't Kevin normally with you on Tuesdays for the talk of the town? Um, Yep. We did flip-flop on you guys this week. Today is Wednesday, just in case you're uh, worried that you got your days mixed up, which can be kind of difficult with COVID, keeping track of all the days. Um, yeah, I haven't been watching Andrew Cuomo's press conferences, so I don't know what day it is anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so uh, if, you, if, you, if you missed the Cuomo press conferences and you don't know what day of the week it is, don't worry. We've got you covered here on Radio Free New York. Um, and on Radio Free New York today, we're, we're talking about a, 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 an interesting topic. We're going to talk about alien DNA and sex with witches. Um, I so I saw this yesterday, like floating around, circulating through social media, and I, to be honest, had no idea what was being talked about. Um, I I didn't think it was going to be true. I thought I thought we were going to be talking about this on maybe like fake news Friday or something like this. Um, but it turns out today on Wednesday, I guess we could call Wednesday wacky and wild Wednesday today. Um, Kevin, why, why don't you just take it away? Fill us in. What's, uh, why is this going all over, uh, Facebook? Yeah. So I, I thought it was, I thought it was going to be fake news too. Cause I saw all these, the, the stuff going around my, my Facebook newsfeed is very, very strange right now. I mean, it's been very strange for a while now, but so here, here's where it's coming from. So there, there's a uh, press conference that a set of doctors had uh, in D.C. on Monday, I believe it was, uh, in which they, these doctors talked about the use of, let me see if I can pronounce it right, hydroxychloroquine. I think I dropped it. So basically, basically that that medicine, that malaria medicine that people were talking about, that might be used for uh, treating COVID nineteen, right? Yep. Um, and this has become and Trump. Really... Trump says that he's taking it, and that his doctor said it's okay for him to take. Right? That's that's been going. Yeah, he went for back on time. that though, and and now he might take it again. I, you know, I don't know. Like this whole thing, it, it frustrates the heck out of me because it, it's become so politicized, and no one's actually talking about. Few people are actually talking about the meds anymore because you got the people on the left who are like, well, Trump said this thing, so like we can't trust that anymore. And like, you know, we why is Trump advocating for these dangerous uh, theories? But there is some evidence early on to suggest that maybe it did have some promising effects in some folks. Uh, but there's some other studies now that suggest like, well, maybe not. It's not really all that helpful, and there are so many drawbacks 
for certain patients for it that maybe it's not worth the risks of using it. So the science is complicated and unclear. Let's just get and, out there. And in addition to that, so we've got the science, which is kind of like one part of the story, but then the other part is people wanting to make emotional decisions not based on science. It's just like, oh, I don't like Trump, so therefore this must be wrong, or oh, I love Trump, so therefore this must be right, without any like regard for um, like medical information. Yeah. So like, and and that's how like you. A lot of your your average folks, your average partisans out there who are looking at this situation, whether or not they think this is a good treatment is based on whether or not they support Trump, and that is not not a good place to be. It's just – it's not – like they, they, like I said, the science behind it is complicated and unclear. Again, when it looked promising, the FDA said, okay, we will approve this as a treatment uh, potentially for COVID-19 patients, and then the FDA went back and said, ah, no, it doesn't look like that's really working and that there are a lot of risks involved. We're not going to approve this as a treatment. But some doctors were using it and seeing promising results. So what this press conference was about was these doctors came out and said, we have seen positive results for our patients. We are advocating for the use of this drug to be able to treat COVID-19 patients, and we think that its use should be less restricted, right? Okay. And again, this is going on in the midst of there are a bunch of studies still going on about the use of this drug to treat COVID-19 because it's a, it's a novel virus. We don't know what's going on. You know, We don't know what's going to work in this situation. And luckily with this drug, it is very, very cheap. So people are very hopeful that it would be a good cure for COVID-19 for people who are, you know, looking at being on ventilators and suffering greatly, right? So these yeah. doctors held this press conference, right? This and video this starts DC, going viral. Right? Was this in D.C. that they had the press conference? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, so I, I saw like a Breitbart version of this video go out. Donald Trump Jr. Uh, said that this video is a must-watch must thing and retweeted the video, um, and the, it, it kind of went a bit viral, and Twitter and Facebook shut it down. They said, nope, mm. we cannot. Uh, I think Donald Trump tweeted it, too. They said, we can't put this out. This is COVID-19 misinformation. Um, Donald Trump said that, were, or, or no, Twitter, no, and, Twitter Facebook and Facebook said that? Okay. Twitter and Facebook said, took down the video. They said, if you shared the video, they took it right down, and your, your account could be – and I don't, I don't like that. Um, now, the reason why we, we're talking about the, the alien DNA and sex with witches and stuff, though, just because that's gotten mixed up in it, is um, there is a, a doctor. Her name is uh, Dr. Stella Emanuel. And she was one of the women speaking. She's she's a a black woman. She's from I believe she's from Nigeria, um, and she's a doctor. She says she has treated the over 300 patients with uh, this drug, and saw none of them die. Right. So in 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 her experience, uh, this drug seemed to be effective to the extent that none of her patients who were treated had died. And and when she says none of them have died, just to be clear, I'm not sure if you know or not, does she mean none of them have died from taking the drug or none of them have died from COVID as a result of she taking means the drug? None of them have died in the process of treatment. That okay. while she was treating them with this drug, none of them died from COVID. Now, I don't know if she followed up afterwards to see what happened, but I have no idea. The, but she, okay. she came out and she said, you know, none, none of those folks died. And she's saying that, you know, in fact, 
And this is partially why Twitter and Facebook took it down. Like, in fact, because we have this cure, we don't need to worry about this. This isn't a dangerous disease and that uh, no one needs to wear masks. And, uh, you know, it's fine because we, we have this, this ability to, to cure folks. She said, hello, you don't need a mask. There's a cure. Um, I, which is interesting because she, she apparently wears masks at work and requires her patients to wear masks. But so it's interesting that she would uh, say that. Now, um, the, again, the reason why people are saying this other stuff is uh, is because she she has some unorthodox beliefs about uh, some parts of medicine and treatment. Um, so among them, which are are really interesting, is uh, so she she's she's a religious minister in addition to being a doctor. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but she says that uh, gynecological problems like cysts uh, are caused by people having sex in their dreams with demons and witches. Um, so yeah, I you know I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I actually so I I read um, some of her transcripts because she she talked about this in in sermons as well, and it, it doesn't sound like a joke. Like it, it sounds like this is this is something that she's incorporated because she has a um a prayer on her website to help uh to help people not have cysts from having sex with demons in their dreams and yeah. and some other stuff like that. Yeah. So again, I there are there are plenty of wonderful doctors who are Christians and and all sorts of other religions who are great. Uh, I get a bit skeptical when someone says that, like, your sexual health problems are caused by, you know, demon sperm, um, which is – I'm not making that up. I'm not trying to be funny, uh, although, you know, I get it. It, so it that, is comical, that, that was, and, and I've I've seen many demon sperm memes circulating the internet in the last 24 oh, yeah. hours. No, it's, it's trending. Um, yep. And, yeah, that's one of those things that's – I did not expect that to be part of 2020, but here we are. Um, it's not yeah, even so August yet. I I know there's still there's still time for the the world to get more interesting. So again, she she's she's talking about like you know uh, incubus and and succubi and like all this stuff that maybe not so medically accepted anymore and, and that's why people are criticizing but we'll, we'll talk about this i guess afterwards too and how do we how do we evaluate situations like this yeah no that, that's a great question i mean how do we can can we separate these things and and should we separate them should we be looking at her analysis as a whole and encompass this other stuff or should we just be taking small sections of what she's saying and, and analyze some of it but not all of it um i think that's a worthwhile discussion so we're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about alien DNA and sex with demons and witches and uh, how that relates to COVID-19. We'll be back in a moment on Radio Free New York. A reminder from Abate Monroe County. American bikers aim toward education. Distracted driving is dangerous, so pull over and eat. 
Don't try to read your mail and newspaper and stay off your cell phone. Make a mental note to be more alert, making it a habit to expect the unexpected. Remember to look twice. Save a life. Train yourself to watch for motorcycles which are harder to see. Join a bait and your family will be protected with a free $4,000 accident policy. Ride safe. Ride free. Ride often. A bait. If you ride, ride with us. Google a bait Monroe County. You're listening to Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. We've also got Kevin Wilson here with us. And uh, we're talking about what you've probably seen circling the Internet, uh, Facebook, Twitter, um, probably Instagram, all over. You're seeing people talking about alien DNA and demon sperm. And no, Radio Free New York did not just jump off the deep end. Um, This is actually a discussion that's going on right now. And it is because of this doctor's... And, oh, Kevin, help me out with her name. I I don't have it. Uh, Stella Emanuel. Yeah, so Dr. Stella Emanuel's um, recent participation in supporting hydroxychloroquine as a COVID-19 um, cure, I guess, is, is the best way to put it. And yeah. – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, uh, and I was just going to say, like, you know, a couple of comments that we did get from uh, listeners about, you know, do we steal Alex Jones' t- teleprompter and we got Bill's attention and Matt's attention with this this headline. But, uh, you know, I'm looking at the situation and I'm saying it, it's it's sensational, right? Like this is this is a – a strange situation, but you know, I do want to point out that she she wasn't the only doctor there. That there are other doctors there without all of this weird baggage um, that comes with it. Uh, you know, so I don't I don't want to make it just about this doctor because there are other doctors there who are who are saying that. Um, but it is it's interesting to see some of the responses because I'm seeing a lot of my friends who are I think very smart people and, and they want this to be a cure. They're saying like, look, look, this doctor, she is saying this stuff. Like, isn't this great? Like, why won't we list the experts like her? And, you know, and point out like, well, uh, does she lose credibility because she says all this other strange stuff? And I, and I think that's a, a good question for debate. Um, you know, it, believing in, you know, uh, uh, sex problems caused by a- astral sex with witches and um, with, demons and believing reptilians run the government uh, yes that is all stuff she really believes um and and that's according yeah, to so, her by the way that's, yeah, not that's according to her yeah like this that. isn't this is according to her she, yeah she and I, I posted an article about it in in the the comments for those of you listening online and, and you guys can check that out later but you know this this is this is her saying and she actually i found this article because she retweeted out and said actually this is a good explanation of what i believe um so that i'm not this is this is her confirming that stuff um and again what's what's interesting about this situation too is how how her her race ends up getting weaponized too by by some folks who are like well you know why is the left criticizing like this expert uh she's a doctor she's a black woman is it being racist to undercut her credibility and you know i i I don't play that game no if if she has strange stuff we have we evaluate like the whole person and what she's saying and, you know, I want to look at specifically to, like, does the claim that she's saying, and some of these other doctors are saying, does that make sense, right? And I, yeah. I think it's it's really important for us to depoliticize, like, our set of facts um, because we, we live in an age 
Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, everyone, like they they latch on to a, a set of truths that is convenient for the worldview that they want to have. There's a there's a confirmation bias. Oh, a doctor says this thing that I want to believe, so therefore it must be true. But you've got to kind of evaluate that stuff on its own merits. Yeah, and I, I think this brings up like a, a really important discussion too. I mean, we, we already talked about um politics becoming the determining factor as to whether or not people believe things are true. So, oh, I support Trump, therefore this thing must be true, or I support Biden or whoever else, therefore it must be false, um, yeah. which really doesn't pass any type of like scientific, <laughs> you know, there, there has to be a little more than that, you know? And I think yeah. specific, I think this situation um, with this doctor in particular has shown us a few things. One, I, absolutely, I'm seeing people um, lashing out on Facebook in kind of a strange way um, because they want to support her statements and they're saying, well, people just disagree with her because she's a woman. People just disagree with her because she's black. And it's like, whoa, like, no, I, I don't think that's particularly why people disagree with her. I And, and I could be wrong. Maybe yeah. there's somebody sitting there that's saying she's a black woman, so I'm just not going to trust her. That's probably possible, but I don't think that's the general population by any means. So it begs the question, could somebody still be right and still be correct um, while having some of these beliefs that I would, I would go out on a limb and say they're generally not accepted, and I don't know that there's any scientific research out there that would suggest that some of these things are even plausible, these, these other things that she believes, um, can, does that hurt her credibility? And does that put you in a situation where you should discard everything else that she believes and everything else she says? Or should people be taking this on a case-by-case -case basis, giving her the benefit of the doubt, and saying, well, some of these things I really think she's off base here. However, some of these other things maybe I can agree with, and it looks like there's evidence for this. Right, exactly. You know, and that's that's kind of what I'd I'd rather do. There's there's a good discussion among well-meaning friends who who are who are talking about this stuff to say, like, again, uh, let's let's forget about this stuff. Let's forget about you know what what some of our other beliefs, and let's just talk about the evidence. And, uh, you know, there's, I, I think there's there's some suggestion to say that she's probably still wrong, that the sample size is too small to draw a con definitive conclusion from, right? And so there's, there's a, a, a doctor I follow uh, who's a, a libertarian guy, Dr. Varner, which I, I got to get that guy on this show sometime. I got to ask. Yeah, bring um, him on. But, but, yeah, but he he's a doctor out in Washington treating uh, COVID nineteen patients. I've been following him on a lot of this stuff, and uh, you know he 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 was one of those guys like early on. He's like, hey, look, this drug is really promising. Like, I hope it goes somewhere. And you know he was looking at all the studies, but he he's looking at it now, and he's like, ah, you know maybe maybe this ain't it. Like, I wanted to be it. I wanted it to be it, but but it looks like that there this isn't what it is. And and he he draws a really interesting analogy to say like. Um, imagine you're sitting on a jury and you have five witnesses who say that the defendant committed this crime, right? That seems like really good evidence. 
uh, you, you have these, these fine people who are telling you, yeah, it's definitely that guy. But then say a video comes out and uh, that video clearly shows someone else committing that crime. Now, that anecdotal, that story evidence, that witness evidence seemed really good for a while, and you should follow that. But when you have this other evidence come out to say, no, 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 it's the, those people were mistaken or they weren't getting the whole story, do you believe that video evidence? And, and he compares the, the, uh, the trials for this to, uh, to, to that type of situation. If you're on a jury, you've got to say, well, no, if the, uh, a video evidence clearly, clearly shows someone else committing that crime, then, yeah, you've got you've to quit that person. Now, in this situation, you say, okay, we have anecdotal evidence supporting that this medicine helps people, but we now have all these other studies that say, well, it doesn't really help people as much as we initially thought it did, and it causes some other problems, so maybe it's not worth it. Where do you go? Yeah, and I, I think something else worth discussing here as well is just making sure that when people make claims like this, that we we look at kind of a, an accepted way to analyze this scientifically. And I'll, I'll just throw out something like really brief. Like we, we've been talking a lot about the death rates in general and how now that more and more data has come in, the death rate for COVID-19 is pretty, pretty small. So when you yeah. have such a small pool, um, 300 or 350 people at even 3%, which I think in some areas it's, it's less than 1%, um, you, you kind of have to be more specific. Like, are those 300 people high-risk people who yeah. um, are statistically significantly higher to die? Or were those 300-some people um, extremely low-risk people, like I would say 96% of the population who's gotten it, that have simply got it, sometimes not even known that they had it, um, and gotten better without any intervention at all. So I, when I hear yeah. these sort of claims, and I'm I'm not saying one way or another whether she's right or not, but I I become very skeptical of anything that has such a small number um, to to just look at to make a determining factor like that. Yeah, and to me, this is why we shouldn't have one size fits all government solutions. The FDA shouldn't go and say yes definitely use this drug or no, definitely don't use this drug. Like, I think we need to continue talking about it. Right. And I get, I get wary when, you know, like Twitter and Facebook shut down things like this. I, I do worry about that type of stuff because we do need to keep talking about this. We do need to figure it out, but we need to look at this data objectively and not tie it to what we want to believe or what our political heroes believe. We've got to get away from that. That is, that is dangerous turf. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, guys, we are going to take our last break of the hour here. We'll be back in a moment on Radio Free New York.
Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website. They're hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals. But don't take my word for it. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. If your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals, give the professionals at Simple Tech Innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. We've got Kevin Wilson on the phone. I asked Kevin, what do you want to talk about in the last segment? Kevin says he just hasn't had enough opportunity to complain about the National Defense Authorization Act. So let's talk about it. Yeah, so the the NDAA, which is... uh, just a, a big budget bill that includes, uh, you know, all of our defense spending uh, got passed last week. Um, and so this, we're, we're talking about trillions of dollars or hundreds of billions of dollars, not quite trillions in one year, but hundreds of billions of dollars in spending uh, to support all aspects of our, our defense system. So all the Pentagon spending, all the branches of the military, it's all there. Now, there were... It, it's not unusual to do that, uh, but there were there were two amendments that I, I thought were pretty good, and I thought we should pass. And I, I I feel like we haven't complained about them enough because I'm mad about them. All right, I mean, uh, about the good ones. Two amendments. No, two two good amendments. I'm okay. mad that they didn't pass. Oh, uh, okay, that they didn't pass. Okay, yeah. What are they? Yeah. So number one, there was an amendment to cut defense spending by ten percent. Now. I know what some of you are thinking. Oh, man, 10%. That's a pretty big number, right? Well, here's the thing. Cutting defense spending by 10% puts our defense spending back between 2016 and 2017 levels. It, it ain't actually all that much. Cutting it 10% ain't like sending us back to the 1990s like you know I would kind of prefer. But no, we're, we're cutting it 10%, just a, just a little bit, just slowing down the increase of defense spending. And again, to, to give you uh, an idea of what we're talking about in terms of numbers here, 2017, we were spending $605 billion on defense, 3% of GDP. 2016, we're spending $600.11 billion, 3.21% of GDP. It was send it back to those numbers. We are deep, deep into the $700 billion range right now with defense spending for the 2021 bill. This would have sent it back just a couple of years, just a little bit to get back down to a little more reasonable levels. That's it. That's all we had to do. 10%. Our government spending is totally out of control. And on top of that, not only did we massively increase defense spending last year and this year, the Republicans in the Senate want to add more defense spending onto that, paying for the largely failed F-35 program, attack helicopters, and other defense appropriations in the latest coronavirus relief bill. Again, 
billions of dollars in the coronavirus relief, relief bill called the HEALS Act. Hard to oppose the HEALS Act, right? That sounds so nice. Sounds like it's going to heal us, heal us as a nation. But no. Kevin, Kevin, I, I'm I'm thinking here as as you say this, that what better way to fight COVID nineteen than with attack helicopters? Well, Andrew, I, I think we need to clear up something for our listeners. We will not be getting the attack helicopters. If uh, if they were sending one to you and me, mm. okay, sure, right, maybe yeah, I'd be on I, board. I think like, every American should have their own attack helicopter to defend against COVID nineteen. I mean, I heard from Andrew Cuomo himself that we are waging a war against this virus. I want to be properly uh, suited to to fight this war. You know, that's a fair point. But and, and so I, I would say that we we need to make sure that we we let our senators know that if we're not personally getting attack helicopters to to fight the war on COVID nineteen, then this is not a bill worth passing. I, I agree. I think that, that, I, I'm going right, to call that's, them right that's now. If, if we're, we're going to spend trillions of dollars, we might as well all get attack helicopters. I, I'm just saying that's you know <laughs> that, that that's where we got to be. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So I, I got you. I, I kind of steered you off track here. I'll, I'll let you. <laughs> no, no, no. That is, that is exactly there. the level of on track that I wanted for this discussion. Um, no, because, it is, you know, I just just to kind of put the point on the head, you know, I, I was frustrated that the House passed the, that bill. I was frustrated that the Congressman Morelli voted against it uh, and a lot of other fiscal conservatives voted against it. Of course, Libertarian Congressman Amash, uh, uh, you know, voted for that 10 percent cut. I think uh, maybe Thomas Massey did, too, but not not a lot of Republicans did. But but between that uh, amendment that made a lot of sense to me and this this bill coming out of the Senate, you know, I think fiscal conservatism in the Republican Party is dead. It's been dead for a while, but, you know, this kind of reinforces a point that we already knew that, like, neither the Republicans nor Democrats have any desire to get our $26 trillion federal debt under control, and they are not taking this seriously. And we, goodness, I don't even know what to do about it anymore. It, it, it's such an insane amount of money. It's so out of control. How do we how do we even start reversing this? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I I know the answer. It's just nobody seems to be willing to stand up and actually do it, which is they've got to cut spending. And and this amendment right here is a perfect example of them not being willing to cut spending. And I will tell you for sure, I can guarantee you the Democrats and Republicans who voted against this will immediately fall back on safety and say, well, we need the country safe. And every yeah. time elected officials use the word safety, it is always attached to more money out of your wallet and more restrictions. And that's exactly what we're going to see here. Yes, that's the way it's scary. I mean, we're... And, and, you know, you'll get the Democrats to be like, oh, we could just tax the rich. And, you know, if we just tax the rich more, that's going to fix everything. Guys, no, it ain't. Like, it can't. We, we could steal all of the, the wealth of the top 1%, and it would barely cover operations for our government for, like, a few months. Yeah. It's, it's, it ain't going to work, guys. Like, it's just – it's not going to be effective. We can't tax our way out of this. We have to cut spending. We have to stop spending uh, uh, on a deficit year after year after year at an accelerating pace oftentimes. 
Yeah, know, we, we, I'll never we... forget that um, that image I saw on the internet that was like raising the deficit is just like having sewage in your home that fills up to the top, and you go instead of draining this, why don't we just raise the roof a few more feet? You know, let's get three or four four more feet of this sewage in our house. It's it's got to go. Yeah, no, you you gotta you gotta stop the entire problem. Not like let's slow it down slightly. No, we we gotta stop it. We've got to reverse it. We've got to start getting that sewage out of here. We we have we have so much debt, and it and we're spending billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars, on servicing that debt. It's very expensive just to have it. It's become its own significant line item just to pay for the interest on that debt, and that's at, ex- at historically low interest rates. What happens if it goes up? We can't keep doing it. Anyway, so that, that was the but the, the other thing that I want to to complain about, and I, I might have already done this already, but it's worth mentioning again that there was an amendment to bring the troops home from Afghanistan quicker. Uh, we've mm-hmm. been in Afghanistan 19 years. There's an amendment to uh, to bring them home. Uh, and it ended up failing in the House, 129 to 284. Of course, again, it, it, the Republicans uh, didn't vote for it. A handful of Democrats did, did not, not including, you know, many of our local uh, members of Congress did not vote for this amendment. Um, but yeah, but and we, that's we, we had an opportunity. the Afghanistan to... papers coming out. I mean, the evidence yeah. showing that we haven't been effective over there. Have been effective. We don't know what they're doing, you know. But a lot of people are saying, "Well, you know, uh, we we don't want to tie the hands of the president." No, no, we have to set a timeline to come home. We know this isn't working. We know the press, you know, uh, like just just tell the president, "No, we need to we need to come home, and you need to 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 set some timelines for when this is happening." And that's what this bill did. It just said, "All right, we're going to actually set some time to get out of here. We need to get out of this uh, 19-year war." Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on Radio Free New York. We'll be back same time, same place tomorrow.